All right, so came on here today. Just one to, to kind of mess around with spaces. Just kind of curious about it. I have yet to use it, but since I have decided to up my social media game and actually participate in social media, I figured I would just talk about the movie I went and saw last night. Sitting in my living room, got a boom arm, uh, hooked up to the coffee table in my living room, running into the Comica Linkflex 85. This is an interface that I'm working on a review for. And it's kind of nice. I can kind of put it in the, you know, anywhere that I go. And it's got plenty of IO, so I can run out to multiple phones. I can run out to, I mean, actually four phones if I wanted to. So I'm recording into one and uh, talking into the other. So I've got multiple phones set up here using a Motorola Edge 2022 and a, what the hell is this thing? It's that little tiny phone. It is the Unihertz what is it pebble something like that anyways wanted to come on here uh i'm thinking of doing podcasts in this way at least for the back row show which is where this will be posted is the back row show podcast used to be a fantasy football podcast is not a fantasy football podcast any longer i got sick of sports so want to talk about violent night the newest movie with david harbour in it it's uh something that's aiming to be a christmas classic did it achieve that status did it become a christmas classic or is it just another run-of-the-mill christmas movie or a run-of-the-mill horror movie wannabe don't know don't know until last night that didn't make sense but went and saw this with my wife last night was really excited she was really excited and we came away with a lot of thoughts, an absolute ton of thoughts. Again, this is going to be full of spoilers. So if you want to see Violent Night, if you have plans to see it, you may not want to listen to this because I'm going to talk about a lot. Beginning, middle, end, who nailed it, who didn't, what worked, what didn't. And uh, is it a Christmas classic? That'll be the title of the podcast, actually, is Is It a Christmas Classic? And I will start out with big words right from the get-go. It is not quite a Christmas classic. It could have been. It really, really could have been. It should have been. But there were some things holding it back. So we open the movie. Here come the spoilers. Be prepared. So the movie starts out with David Harbour in a bar drinking, pretty drunk. Seems like he's, he's pretty, you know, tilted, lit, faded, fucked up. He's fucked up. He looks like a very tortured and unhappy Santa Claus, which gives you, you know, you immediately feel in the beginning of the movie that he is, uh, he kind of has a bit of, of don't give a shit to him. He's, he's not really enjoying his life. So he's sitting at the bar drinking and this is in between going and, and dropping gifts down chimneys and, and whatever, so to speak. But, uh, we get, we got a non-happy Santa Claus here and there's just some, some chit chat with another Santa Claus that comes in like a mall Santa and it's a really sweet mall Santa that's got all the, the best interests of everyone in mind. And 
it just it's not like a he, he's not an asshole he doesn't come off as as a dick he just comes off as really tired of his life looking for some more meaning so on and so forth anyways i'm not going to talk about every scene of the movie nothing like that i just kind of want to go through the ins and outs and again a lot of spoiler alerts but the, the movie starts out really funny because once he drinks at the bar you know he's he's pretty drunk he goes up to the roof which the bartender notices that he goes to the roof and that's not where you go after you've been drinking there's nowhere to go from the roof but down so she follows him to the roof and uh she's too late he's already gotten his sleigh he's already taking off going into the sky with his reindeer and uh, as she's amazed that santa is real reminds me of a creator song called satan is real satan is real santa is real she sees that santa is real and uh as he's flying above her and flying away he vomits <laughs> off the side of his sleigh all over her head and face so that that was a fun opening because it's like okay this movie's gonna be fucked up we know it's gonna be fucked up santa just vomited all over the bar bar barkeeper bartender however you want to put it saying a pukes on her so you know the movie opens up within five minutes with a roar of laughter coming out of the theater and we know that we're in for a pretty good time now this movie also something i like about it it did not waste any time getting to the violence i mean the name of the movie is violent night so for it to not waste any time getting to the violence was very much appreciated and it did not we got right to it right away and I'll tell you how. So anyways, the next scene after he pukes all over, we find out that there is a love interest because every movie has to have a love interest. So we've got a, uh, wife husband combo with a little girl named Trudy short for Gertrude and Trudy is very excited to see her dad. You get the idea immediately that dad is kind of a not, not, uh, not always in the picture, not always available, maybe a little bit unattached. Uh, so, so we find out that his, that he's really into his work and that he is always being pulled away from his family by his job. Another point of the movie there to keep in mind, put it in your pocket, stick in your hat, yada, yada. So mom and dad are having problems. It does never, it never really says that they're divorced. It never really goes into exactly what the issue is but mom and dad have issues trudy is a young girl i think she was eight maybe eight or nine somewhere eight to ten i can't remember now but trudy is is very unhappy that her parents are kind of apart but she's not showing it the whole time and anyways so husband says to wife thank you for doing this wife says i'm not doing this for you so we know that they're going somewhere together even though they're not getting along then the question is where so next scene or so we find out that they're going to a complex of sorts a gated community more like a gated home so they go to the gated home and the very nice gatekeeper knows all of them obviously so we know they're in a familiar place turns out they are at his mother's house the husband's mother's house and mommy is fucking loaded so mommy's got lots of money and we, you start getting those diehard vibes right off the bat. We know 
that there is a, uh, a hero, which is Santa Claus, David Harbor. We know that there's money involved. Uh, will there be any foreign folks involved? Will there be any Austrians, any Austrian death machines? Get to the chopper. Will there be anyone like that? Is it going to be a straight diehard rip or is there going to be more to it than that? I wanted to see the movie because it is a holiday diehard, which diehard is a holiday movie. It's a fucking Christmas movie. You can't tell me any different. It just is. Diehard is a Christmas movie. So we're getting another diehard, but more Christmas themed. It's almost like this movie wanted to be more Christmas than diehard while still being diehard. While I'm on that thought, check out Tubi. There is a movie called To Die Is Hard. And it is one of those B-movie ripoffs of Die Hard. And it is fucking hilarious. It's so bad, it's hilarious. They know it's bad. They're looking and working for it to be bad. And they achieved. Anyways, back to this movie, Violent Night. So we're at the home of the husband's mother. Who is, uh, I, I don't want to pull up a computer right now. But she is Clark Griswold's wife in Christmas Vacation. That's the actress that plays his mom. So we've got all kinds of great Christmas nostalgia here already. We have literally the female lead from a Christmas classic in Clark Griswold's wife. Sorry, don't remember her name. Been a while since I've seen that movie. But she is the mom. She is a total bitch. She's on the phone and cursing someone out being a complete hag and it turns out it's the senator wherever they live it's the senator of whatever state that is and you know it's it's playing up the point that this family has a lot of issues so the husband's sister is there and she's a total asshat who's got a younger more attractive boyfriend who's an actor that plays in b action movies who is a total doofus asshat think doofy from scary movie level doofus and they've got a kid who has the long comb over hair beanie look that is constantly live streaming saying, living the dream, live streaming, here I am. Doo -doo 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 -doo. So the character, the character set up here is like, you know, douchey family, total douchey family. And the husband, again, husband, wife, daughter, this is the family that the movie is centered around. So I'm just going to continue to call him husband. Cause I don't give a fuck about their names <laughs> at all, but the husband, wife, daughter combo. We know Trudy. We know Trudy. Uh, it does not really go into the names that much. It's not about naming people. It's about, you know, who these folks are. Let's shed some blood. So anyways, uh, main guy, husband for once, uh, does not want to feed into his family and kiss his mom's ass. That's the competition here. The family kisses mom's ass because she's rich, has tons of money, so on and so forth. He's not doing it this year, not kissing her ass. So five minutes into this whole thing, like there's not much dialogue. The family is together. They obviously don't get along real well. And next thing you know, the catering crew who was catering the Christmas party, which is the family Christmas party, the catering crew has a hidden agenda. They want the money. And the catering crew is led by John Leguizamo. This is where the movie gets 
interesting. We know David Harbour's here. We know Santa Claus is in this movie. We know we've got a dysfunctional family with a daughter who wants her family back together. A lot of cliche storylines here, but it is a it's a it's a it's a slasher flick sort of or a beat 'em up die hard style flick. So, you know, we, we we're not gonna judge the storyline too harshly here. But John Leguizamo leads a team of I guess ex special ops style folks, and uh they're they're going to steal all the money from Clark Griswold's wife in the movie. This is where Santa comes in, of course. The bad guys take over the house. There's a vault that very much reminds you of Die Hard's vault, uh, Fort Knox, so to speak. So we've got that. There's $300 million in the vault, and they want this money. They're going to kill to get it. Uh, John Leguizamo, leader of this crew, he's done his research. He knows that this rich woman can call her SEAL Team 6, so to speak, in, and they will come save the day. He's got that on lock. Turns out SEAL Team 6 is under his control instead because they've all conspired to make a lot of money. So no one is on the family side here. Everyone essentially is bad guys except for Santa Claus, Mr. David Harbour. Santa Claus comes down their chimney in epic fashion. He turns himself into like gold dust. No, not the wrestler, but literal dust made of gold. Comes down the chimney. Uh, eats the cookies that Trudy left for him, which are homemade, which makes him happy because most everyone is leaving him vanilla wafers and milk that tastes like shit. And he is very verbal about the fact that it does indeed taste like shit. So he eats the cookies. He's happy, sort of, kind of like, hey, this house is better than the rest. And he starts to leave some presents and he hears gunshots because I, what was it? I think the, uh, who died there? Why was there gunshots even happening? Gunshots. Oh yeah. He hears gunshots. Uh, his reindeer fly off because of the gunshots. They're scared. They leave. Santa is stranded, stranded in the house of horrors. He's not real happy, but he quickly realizes he's stuck. What can he do? He starts to leave and he looks through a window on his way into the forest and sees Trudy and her family hostage, being held hostage by John Leguizamo and his thugs. He's Santa Claus. Of course, he can't really handle this, so he uh, he he does not leave. He ends up not leaving. He stays. He's like, maybe I'll save this family. Maybe I won't. Let's see. Let's see what's up. Drink break. Sonic has this cold brew that doesn't taste like coffee. It's not good. Uh, it tastes like Nest quick is more like it anyways. So David Harbor's Santa Claus sees her, sees that she's upset, sees a look on her face. That's like, you know, no Christmas magic here in this house. And, and he decides that he's going to stick around, maybe not intentionally save the day, but maybe just save Trudy. I don't know. And then comes his first encounter with a thug with one of John Leguizamo's thugs. The the fight scenes here are interesting. Like they're not extremely well choreographed. They're decently choreographed. They're not John Wick by any means. Like John Wick's 
fight scenes are impeccable in my opinion. The fight scenes in Violent Night are okay. They're okay. They're they're not they're not terrible, but they're not great. So first fight scene ends in epic fashion. Guy gets a star topper to the tree, uh, shoved into his eye. It <laughs> then then Santa plugs it in. It catches on fire. Guy's face melts and burns. The close-ups of the the death shots, the the kill shots, so to speak, those are good. The close-ups of those are really good. So you know it shows his face on fire and melting, and while Santa's talking, uh, and I, I don't know if that's when he got the walkie-talkie or not. But we've uh, die-hard elements so much, like Trudy, the girl. Uh, was upset that her dad didn't take her to the mall to see Santa. He improvises, goes in his old bedroom, finds a walkie-talkie, gives it to Trudy, tells her it's an open line to Santa. But Santa's too busy to respond, for fuck's sake. But you can talk to him. He can hear you. Don't expect a response because Santa's an asshole. So she's got the walkie-talkie. There's so many moments in this movie that just make you question everything. So this walkie-talkie that she has that she ends up communicating with Santa with. She has it in the main room where they're all being held hostage. She's not even trying to hide this walkie talkie. She just has a walkie talkie like holding on to it half the time with her arms stuck out and everyone, all, all the bad guys are seeing it and not giving a shit, not taking it from her, not asking what she's using it for. None of that. They're just not giving a shit like, oh, she's got a walkie talkie. She can communicate with someone, but we're not worried about that. We've got this covered. We don't need to do the simple task of just taking it out of her hand, smashing it on the ground with our boot. We're just going to let her keep it. We're terrible people who plan to kill everyone, but we're going to let her keep the walkie talkie. Little things like this are what makes the movie go a little bit wrong. There's just some just some really simple oversights that they, you know, there's some a lot of fuck ups in this movie. Overall, before I get any further, the movie's fun. It's worth watching. I'll say that. But uh, Santa kind of, you know, little by little goes through the house, killing everyone around. Not easily. He's he's not like a, a you know a, a complete unstoppable killer. He's more of a has been a killer in the past, not so much anymore type. Like has that ability in him, but the ability is is hiding kind of under the surface. Kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi in the show Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan has mad skills, but he hasn't used them in so long that he's not in shape or the muscle memory's not there to kick ass. That's David Harbour in this movie. Muscle memory's not there. He needs to get it all back or maybe something's missing. We'll get to it later. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. So, but for the most part, he is successful in defeating each foe because he's got a size advantage. He's a sizable guy. And uh, there is a past there. Um, one of the fight scenes where he does get his ass kicked pretty handily. He has a flashback and he's wearing what looks like a, a Viking helmet of sorts. And there's this little bit of a Thor moment where it's a flashback into the uh, BC or just slightly AD years. And he's holding a really long sledgehammer that looks more like uh, Thor's hammer than a, an actual sledgehammer. And it's covered in blood, dripping in blood. And uh, he's apparently done some damage wherever he is at. Now, that flashback is quick. You see that he was someone else in the past and that he was a very vicious person. And then it kind of moves on from that pretty quick and goes back into the main course of the movie, which is violence. Uh, just not going to go through every fight scene, not going to go scene by scene, nothing like that. But uh, he's pretty successful for the most part. There's some really good kill scenes. Uh, there's a Home Alone tribute in the movie. Trudy talks about how she was up late watching Home Alone whenever she meets her dad and they go to Grandma's house. And you, you get the idea immediately that there's going to be some Home Alone homage paid in this movie. And there was. So we've got a uh, the main head of the black ops team i'll call him the bad guy team he he's a foreign fella and it kind of is it's akin to diehard level foreign folks and he's he's pretty good this guy's actually pretty decent but he uh he gets himself in a home alone situation with a short-haired girl that looks like she's from home alone three or four or whatever there's like 20 of those damn movies but uh they get themselves in a situation where there is an attic ladder that is down obviously down now trudy trudy is a brutal kevin McAllister in this movie she puts down a ladder from the attic and the two bad guys walk up they they're like we know where you are now because she escapes with the walkie-talkie like I, I, this was another oversight like the whole family's arguing with the killers with the hostage takers and uh, somehow trudy just slips away through all that and hides in the attic no one can find her of course but when she feels that people are getting close to finding her, uh, which happens to be a scene where David Harbour gets captured, Santa Claus gets captured, and John Leguizamo and those two thugs I was speaking about that are going to the attic, they are confused because Santa is half convincing that he's Santa. He knows information about him, what he bought them or what he brought them for Christmas back in the past, like 1982. 
He got one dude a Huffy. Uh, John Leguizamo, he he knew stuff. But, of course, they're not fully in belief. So Trudy makes it snow. She finds uh, styrofoam pieces and puts them in the ventilation system, and it snows, distracts everyone, blah, blah, blah. Then John Leguizamo tastes the snow and says it's styrofoam. Santa's full of shit. This isn't real, blah, blah, blah. And uh, the two thugs go after her. Now we're back to the attic scene where she puts the ladder down from the attic and these two are like, oh, you dumb girl, we found you now. You've given it away where you are. And before climbing up the ladder, they see that there is a nail in the ladder from the underside pointing straight up. This leads to one of the best scenes in the movies. In the movie. Uh, but the main guy, the main leader of the thugs besides Leguizamo, starts to go up the ladder, sees the nail, so he's going to skip that one, of course. He's not going to let it go through his foot like Marv in home alone. So he starts climbing up the ladder and right before he takes a step, you see that the rung, the rung on the ladder before the nail is sawed in half, but you, you wouldn't tell unless you were looking closely. So when he steps on that rung, he falls down. Nail goes underneath his chin up through his mouth. Then they, they show every bit of it, which is a, a great thing that this movie does is showing the kill shots and showing the gore didn't kill him. You know, but it was one of those scenes where it was like, okay, that was awesome. And, you know, he's stuck on the nail. He eventually gets off the nail, falls back onto a board of nails and drill bits, which uh, was there and they just walked around the first time. Why not kick it out of the way in case you fall off the ladder? <sighs> Anyways, and when the female from SEAL Team 6 from Hell goes up the ladder while the other dude's got his uh, head on a nail. There's bowling balls coming. Trudy's throwing bowling balls, and they're coming at her. There, One hits her right in the, the pooch, so to speak. Uh, one falls down and drives a... God. So the dude that has the nail under his chin, he gets off the nail, and some I can't remember if it was that nail or something else, but he's holding up a drill bit or a nail and looking at it covered in his blood. He looks at it for way too long, long enough to let a bowling ball come down from the attic, hit that nail, drive it to his forehead, and then he falls back onto the board of nails. There was just some moments here where like punctuation and uh, quickness would have made things a lot better. That was just one of those moments like, why is he staring at the nail for so long? Like, you know, we we get it. You're showing us what's coming. We know what's coming. How about you don't take all that time to let us know what's coming and you just put the nail through the fucker's forehead. Ah, stressful. Meanwhile, through all this stuff, had to mention that scene because it was a good one, but we're about halfway through the movie. And one of the things holding it back is John Leguizamo. He sucks. Like John Leguizamo is not good. Like, I don't think we ever really thought of John Leguizamo as some kind of legacy actor, some kind of, you know, guy from our times. But man, John Leguizamo absolutely killed this movie. He like didn't kill it. It was still good. But John Leguizamo hurt this movie really badly. That is loud. So Leguizamo... Uh, he, he's trying really hard to be the bad guy, the tough guy, the outspoken cursing guy. And it just, it doesn't work. 
And some kids that I talked to after the movie who work at the movie theater, my wife works at the movie theater with them, said that they uh, they felt like they just really leaned into some of the cheesiness of it. But everyone else's acting job, for the most part, was solid. David Harbour was great. Trudy was good. The parents were good. Uh, you know, Clark Griswold's wife, the grandma, she was good. Everyone was good. Except for John Leguizamo, for the most part. He absolutely ruined parts of the movie with his acting. And I just don't feel like he was just simply leaning into it. I just think it didn't work. And I think, uh, well, I'll give my, I'll give my final thoughts on Leguizamo when I, when I finish the, the premise of the movie. So we'll hold off on that. But long story short, fight scenes, not that great, but they were fun. So, Santa Claus ends up holed up in a uh, outbuilding and he's basically about to give up because the the backup SEAL Team 6 that's supposed to protect protect the grandma that's under control of John Leguizamo, they're coming for Santa. They're coming to kill him. There's like 12 of them and he's about to give up, but he's talking to Trudy on the walkie-talkie because, you know, they never fucking take it from her. And uh, she basically gives him some inspiration and he finds a sledgehammer and apparently when he was a viking warrior he killed a lot of people with his hammer him and his hammer like thor had a connection and he was able to really kick some ass with that thing so he finds a sledgehammer he goes out not goes out he stays in but he goes and gets the sledgehammer hides creates a plan starts bashing skulls with the sledgehammer Pretty good fight scene there, but still not choreographed anywhere near John Wick levels. John Wick has ruined a lot of uh, fight scenes for us, that's for sure. But he basically takes care of everyone, takes care of business, kills most of the SEAL Team 6. Of course, he ends up in a final showdown with John Leguizamo. And of course, it's the hardest battle because John Leguizamo just somehow is a badass. Not at acting, but at fighting. Uh, that is you know, after a long snow, uh, what's, what's the fuck's that called? Snowmobile chase and scene that is not good because the snowmobile looks slow. God, there were so many flaws in this movie. So many flaws. The snowmobiles look like they were going 15 miles per hour, especially when David Harbor was riding one really bad video work. Really, really surprised as some of the video work in this movie, it was really, really bad in, in spots. And then it was good in others. It was very confusing. Like how is this movie like so shitty and so great at the same time? It was so close to being a, a Christmas, a Christmas classic, a Christmas classic. So close, so damn close. So the final fight scene is fine. Um, there's like a, a chimney outside made of boulders there's just so many things placed, you know, specifically to work out perfectly for the, for the theme of the movie that was bordering on unbelievable. Basically, John Leguizamo is about to win, about to kill him. And, uh, he taps his nose to do his little chimney trick. Santa does turns into the gold dust, but he's holding Leguizamo. So Leguizamo goes up the chimney with him and the chimney's too small. So Santa ends up at the top of the chimney with a headless and legless Le Leguizamo body, which was very satisfying, extremely satisfying, actually. 
So that worked out really well. Uh, Santa was dying. And since all of the family finally believed in Santa, that brought him back to life. Santa doesn't understand this Christmas magic. He just knows there's Christmas magic. So that was kind of fun. That was a good part. He doesn't know how all this shit works. He reaches into a bag and just pulls out presents. He doesn't know how it works. He just knows that it works. And he just knows that he was chosen to be Santa for some reason, which they never explained how he became, how he went from a Viking to Santa Claus. They never explained it. They never added context. They just, he used to be a badass Viking. He did a lot of bad shit. We only assume that once he died, his afterlife was being Santa to do good for, to balance out all the bad that he did, but they never say that they never explain it. They never go through it. Nothing like that. That's just what we have to conclude. That's what we have to draw dot to dot and be like, Oh, this is no, no, they, we don't know that for sure because they never told us for sure that that was the case. Anyways, uh, Santa comes back to life. His reindeer show back up. They bring his spare sack cause they burnt the old one. Uh, the bad guys did and yeah, happily ever after all that good stuff. Now, again, the movie, it was, there's so much wonderful about it, but there were so many parts that were just so bad. John Leguizamo, super terrible acting. He literally like me and my wife looked at each other multiple times and we're just blown away, absolutely blown away that he was this bad in the movie. So that kind of hurt would have been a Christmas classic. If not for John Leguizamo being terrible. And I'll tell you how they could have solved that. Uh, the choreographed fight scenes were not great at all. The, acting of some of the side characters, some of the SEAL Team 6, that was pretty bad. There's a lot of cringe moments. David Harbour was glorious. He was great. The rest of the family members were pretty solid. Leguizamo killed it. Some of the others didn't help. Uh, some of the timed sequences, like the nail through the head that they let you know was coming for 30 seconds before it happened. The snowmobiles going 15 miles per hour. Uh, it, it's hard to be too harsh on it because this movie's not meant to go grab Oscars. This movie's meant to be a fun Christmas time with lots of blood. And there was lots of blood. There was plenty of blood. There's a lot of close-ups on the kills, which was nice. All in all, uh, this was a very enjoyable entertaining movie but with a lot of eye roll moments you you subtract the eye roll moments away and you have a christmas classic yes maybe one that is rated r but it's a christmas classic by the way i saw a million fucking kids in the theater with no parents what the hell parents this was not a movie for your kids to see they were going to stick the dad's balls in a nutcracker at one point the language was off the hook for me, but not for a 10-year-old. The violence was off the hook for me, not for a 10-year-old. And I was just confused why so many young children were watching this movie. But it was really fun. A lot of laughs, 
lot of moments where you're like, oh, because the kills were so good. But the parts that held it back held it back pretty hard. So for that reason, it's not a Christmas classic. Um, I don't even think it's a yearly Christmas watch, which I think is what makes a classic. But even for someone who understands it's not a classic, I probably won't watch this movie, but maybe once every three to five years, if that actually happens. Again, it was fun, but on a scale of 10, this movie clocks right in at a seven. And it's a seven because I laughed. I had a great time. It was everything I wanted it to be, but with caveats, big caveats. This movie would have been a nine or higher had they not gave John Leguizamo whatever the fuck he got money-wise to play that part and just hired anyone else, literally anyone else. The Liberty Biberty guy from Liberty Mutual commercials, they could have hired him and it would have been so much better. They could have hired What's the dude from uh, Skip? They could have hired Skip Bayless to be the villain, and it would have been so much better. Literally, a ton of people I can think of they could have hired, and it would have been better. Again, it was great. I have no regrets. I was just disappointed that a potential Christmas classic was turned into just a fun Christmas movie. Not a bad thing, but it went from classic to fun in just a few shakes of John Leguizamo's finger. I do recommend it nonetheless. It was a fantastic watch in the theater. Fun as hell. Just the eye roll moments are hard to forget. Very, very hard to forget. Violent Night, 7 out of 10. Pretty good. I do recommend it. Just tone your expectation down a little bit. Just a little bit. Because the trailer is all classic. This is going to be epic. That's what I thought going in. And I was mostly right. But I was slightly wrong. I'll see you guys next time on the Back Row Show. Thanks for joining me. And if you did listen to the whole episode, know that I plan to do every episode that is me solo at least on Twitter Spaces Live. As to where that's going to happen, I don't know. Right now, it's on my Obscure Mics page, which is my YouTube channel, my biggest production probably. So I'm I'm there on Spaces recording this live. And hopefully at some point, you know, we get people that chime in and all that good stuff. But that's where it was recorded at. I'll see you guys next time. Have a good day. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.